Hey, Bible readers, I'm Tara Lee Cobble, and I'm your host for the Bible Recap. Yesterday, we wrapped up round two of all three of Job's friends advising him. He's now heard six speeches from them. And today, our reading opened with Job's reply to Zophar's second speech. His friends have been trying to point out that since all these bad things have happened to him, it must be because he's acting wickedly somehow. This kind of thinking is embedded in our nature. Have you noticed that? The idea that if you do good things, God will give you what you want. If you do bad things, God will punish you. When things don't go your way, do you ever wonder if God is punishing you? Maybe it's because of that bad thing you did. Or if you can't think of anything you've done wrong to earn this treatment from him, you may start to wonder why he's not holding up his end of the bargain. If you're not careful, you may find yourself living out of the same mindset Job's friends had thinking that if you walk uprightly with God, you can use that as bargaining chips to get what you want from him. Because surely good works equal a happy life, right? Job's story points out the error in our thinking, and it also points out the true wickedness that lies at the heart of our motives when we try to use God as a means to our desired end. In chapter 21, Job offers a rebuttal to his friend's claims. When he's talking about the wicked, he says, They say to God, Depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? Then he marvels. Behold, is not their prosperity in their hand? You don't have to look very far to see wicked people prospering. They're amassing fortunes and living their dream lives, all the while cursing God. The reality Job brings to light here is that our lot in life is not a good way to determine the state of our hearts. Good things do happen to wicked people. You've probably witnessed a lot of the same things Job mentions here. Maybe you've even been frustrated by them too, wondering, why do wicked people prosper? It doesn't seem fair. But if you remember what we've learned about grace and mercy and what we think we deserve, you realize just how much we don't want what's fair. In the grand scheme of things, don't you want God to call you out of your sin? Do you want to wander off into callousness doing whatever you want with no regard for God like the wicked people Job describes here? If you want to walk closely with God, you can see that it's his kindness that prompts us to repent. When I see that God actually lets these wicked people have their way, forgetting him altogether, that's what punishment looks like to me. Not the troubles I encounter that teach me to rely on God and help conform me to his image. Job's story reframes the way I view trials and punishment and God's goodness. It rids me of any notion I have of fairness or what I deserve. After Job responds, we start in with round three of the responses from his three friends. Eliphaz speaks again and even implies that his words are straight from God. In 2221, he says, Agree with God and be at peace, thereby good will come to you. Yikes, Eliphaz, that's pretty self-assured. There's no humility at all in him. In chapter 23, Job laments the distance of God. He wants to plead his case before God. And frankly, if I were him and I'd just listened to all these things from my friends, I'd just want to talk to God too. In the midst of Job's lament, he says something that jumped out at me. In 23, 8 through 9, he says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. I think it's really interesting that Job trusts that God is there at work in the midst of this, even though he doesn't perceive him anywhere. In 23.14, he says, He will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. Honestly, Job is terrified at what those things might be. Maybe you've been there, expecting him to do the worst, 
anticipating that because you hate cold weather, he's going to send you to be a missionary in Siberia because he's cruel like that. But despite all his fear, Job still doesn't curse God. He continues to yield to him and acknowledge his sovereignty. In 2313, he says, He is unchangeable and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. Job is in a place of wrestling with his own lack of control. It almost seems like he's despairing, but at the same time acknowledging God's ultimate control over his life. Where did you see God's character on display today? What was your God shot? Today, I most loved the reminder that he is at work even when I can't see what's going on. He's still in control. He's still active. And though I may have to wrestle with myself over my fears of what may come, and I may have to surrender my desire to have all the answers, it's evident that he's at work. Job knew it. I know it. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. And Job wants to talk to that God, maybe probably just for answers and maybe probably to try to make a point, but hopefully a little bit of what's built into his desire to talk to God is the knowledge that God gets him when none of his friends do, and that God actually knows what's happening and isn't just guessing, and that God has the way out and is going to bring resolution. I think that deep down, Job knows he's where the joy is. If you prefer video to audio, I have great news for you. We also have these daily recaps available as videos on our YouTube page. The content is the same as the podcast, but you can see my face. Check out our YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash the Bible recap, or click the link in the show notes. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. Or if you want to follow along with our reading plan in the Bible app, our YouTube videos are actually embedded within our plan. So you can read that day's reading and recap all within the same app. It's a one-stop shop. To find our reading plan on the Bible app, just click the link in the show notes. Did you know the word rest is mentioned over 400 times in the Bible? So rest is kind of a big deal to our Father. If you're struggling to find rest in the craziness of life, Click the link in the show notes for Hope Nation's 10 passages from Scripture that will help you learn more about what it means to rest in God.